Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the RDS study session. It's me, your host Matthew Roberts, and we're going to continue with our Come Follow Me study uh, for the week today. The study is focused on November the 25th to December the 1st, uh, 1st and 2nd Peter, which is entitled Rejoice with Joy, Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Um, and if you listened to yesterday's uh, episode, you'd know that we're still focusing on uh, the section I can find joy during times of trial and suffering. Uh, and we're focusing on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 24, 3, 14 to 17, and chapter 4, uh, 12 to 19. To be fair, uh, after we've kind of studied 1 Peter chapters one to uh, 3 to 9, um, everything else that you kind of read now is a repeat or a re-emphasis of what was said in that chapter. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 19 to 24, uh, we read in verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy if a man for, for conscience toward God endure grief, suffer wrongfully. Um, this is interesting, this, because it's, again, making the point that it's a good thing if, if a person that believes in God endures suffering, um, particularly if that suffering is, you know, not um, kind of deserved or, or something that they've brought upon themselves. This word "thankworthy" is an interesting one because when you look at the Greek roots and the other, and the other translations for it, um, it in the Old Testament uh, version of the King James version, uh, sorry, the New Testament King James version of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, the footnotes refer to this Greek translation as also meaning pleasing or gracious. And I had a look at the Bible Strong's Concordance app as well just to kind of see what the uh, feeling was on that. And yeah, the, the, in fact, the word gracious uh, has been linked to the word that is used in the, in the Greek translation more often. So it's not only a thankful thing or a thankworthy thing, it's something which, you know, is part of the grace of the Lord uh, that we have these sufferings. Um, and then Peter goes on to explain in, in this section that Christ was the example. Uh, in verses 21 to 22 of chapter 2, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an, an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So again, um, making the point that because, you know, the Saviour set this example with men to try and live like him, but we will also re receive suffering that we perhaps do not deserve, just as the Saviour did. Uh, as as our example, as we move into um, chapter three of First Peter, um, and we look at the verses um, <coughs> linked to to that chapter in this section, which are verses fourteen to seventeen, um, we get another uh, kind of principle to 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 take from this. Um, in verse fifteen, it says. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Um, I found this particularly interesting, this verse, because um, it made me think about the fact that when pe that people will ask things about your faith. Uh, and I think that sometimes, as members of the church, we might become a bit defensive, even before that discussion has happened, because maybe we're, we're thinking from the standpoint of, of, well, they don't believe, you know, what we're about to tell them. They, they, they're they're going to think it's ridiculous. They, they're going to, you know, make fun of it or they're just going to maybe have a different view of us after we share what we believe. 
And so we might, you know, just give a half-hearted answer. And I know that I've certainly fallen into that um, trap myself a number of times. Or even there may be people who do question our faith, who are just simply asking out of interest, which is the majority of the time. But there may be individuals that have heard of our faith that seek to to prove it wrong or seek to uh, identify the issues within it. Um, you know, people who look into church history or to church doctrine and try and find holes in it in its uh, in its structure. And I guess that this also applies to this that we need to try and give an answer to every man. And I think the the footnote links this again to the Greek meaning a defence um, for the reason of the hope that is in you. But I love that phrase that it's not we're not you know giving these answers because we want to prove ourselves right. But we're giving a reason for the hope that is in us. And that hope should really radiate throughout us as a, as a disciple of Christ. And that should be the first thing that we have as our, as our focus, really. And again, that these answers, because again, it's very often that when we start giving answers for our faith, we might start to become defensive or even we might try and be a bit um, forthright or we might try and be adamant in our faith. And that's, you know, the other way that we can go. I remember on a mission, you know, we might have met someone who had a, you know, faith in the Bible or in another Christian denomination. And most of the time that these discussions would be lovely and be very cordial. But sometimes they would also be, uh, well, this scripture says this or this scripture says this. Uh, you know, the phrase Bible bashing might come into there. Um, and I think that if as long as we have this idea of having it with meekness, that is the key. And fear also could be could be meant to mean reverence or awe. So this meekness, this reverence of the Lord is meant to be part of our answer uh, for the hope that is in us. Uh, President David Owen Kay said this, quote, Every member of the church should be converted and have a knowledge of the gospel, including a knowledge of the scriptures. How wonderful it would be if every member of the church could, as Peter said of old, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. A man must know what he teaches before he can effectively teach it to others. Close quote. So, yeah, basically a lot of uh, things to kind of think about there, in specifically giving answers to people about our faith. Um, we then move into chapter 4 of First Peter, verses 12 to 19, uh, and straight away uh, we, we have... The words that the, the, that the manual suggests are strange to put together. We have fiery trial, and then in the next verse, in verse 13, rejoice um, and exceeding joy. That um, once we partake in these sufferings, uh, that then we will see the blessings. In verse 13, it says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Uh, yeah, this is. Um, a, a theme throughout these verses that there's reproach and trial and suffering but then there is rejoice joy happy um, and these are the words that are put together with them as the manual suggests joseph smith uh, said this quote and it is important that we should understand the reasons and causes of our exposure to the vicissitudes of our of life and of death and the designs and purposes purposes of god in our coming in, into the world our suffering here and our departure hence. What is the object of our coming into existence, then dying and falling away to be here no more? It is but reasonable to suppose that God would reveal something in reference to the matter, 
and it is a subject we ought to study more than any other. Close quote. So, this suffering, this leading to this joy, can only really be understood and uh, appreciated through the lens of the plan of salvation, which is why you know it's one of the key doctrines that we have. We have the fact that the rest of the, the, the church has been restored, but we also need to understand why we are here and why trials do come. Uh, we shared in, in, in our little Come Follow Me family study last night. Oh, sorry, it wasn't even last night, it was Monday. Um, the, uh, a story from the friend about a boy who kind of ends up burning his feet in ashes thinking it's a pile of dirt. Um, and, I, and we asked the question to, to our kids beforehand, you know, do you think Heavenly Father will stop us from, from being sad or having bad things? And at first they, they said yes. And that's understandable, you know, they, they believe in, in Heavenly Father, they, they believe they're children of God, so why would they allow bad things to happen? But it's something which we need to um, understand, that these trials and these sufferings will be allowed to happen, however, our Heavenly Father will then support us through them. Uh, and that is the, the, the principle that needs to be taught there. We also watched a video about um, a lady who was uh, paralysed um, after a car accident, but how she works through that and how through her faith and through her trust in the Lord, she's able to see the bigger picture with it. Now, whilst that may be difficult for some to accept that, well, that's horrible. Why would Heavenly Father allow that to happen? You know, what kind of God is that? Um, it's that understanding that he allows these things to happen and then the, the blessings that we receive are great um, as we as we look forward to the future. Uh, and so, yeah. I, I will still find it difficult, I'll be honest, to find re to find joy and uh, excitement and rejoicement and, you know, a, gr a gratitude for trials that are placed before me, I'm sure. But it is a principle that we can all remember and learn from. If there's anything that you've been studying, I'd love to hear it at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter uh, or email LDSStudySession at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening and until we meet again. <laughs>